0: If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Good to see so many young people leave, amen, for the right place, and that's the youth meeting that we had not had in six months. And so I know Brother Jason is excited, and Brother Vinny, and uh, Miss Becca, and Miss Tria, we appreciate the work they do with the youth. And uh, we need to have special attention to our youth, amen, we need to grow it back. I saw a news report at 6 o'clock, and it's not a shock, but that uh, overdoses are up, and uh, I mean, they're up. Uh, uh, As of August, there's been more overdose than all of last year, and I'm not surprised a bit because this pandemic is working on people's uh, psychic and mind, and what they need is a Savior. Amen. In times like these. We Need a Savior. What a good song. I was going to sing that, and I'm having a little trouble in my throat. And so I asked Brother um, Jeremy if he'd sing that two minutes before the service. He just picked it right up and sung it. Amen. See, a pretty good substitute. Amen. Praise the Lord. We need more substitutes like that. And uh, thank the Lord. Well, I'm going to preach again from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, because the Lord has really worked on my heart and confirmed it last night. Uh, Brother Gabe and I was talking about the gospel. So I'm going to preach on the gospel tonight and how powerful the gospel is, how wonderful we are to have the gospel and that the gospel is enough and that his power through the gospel will save anyone that will call upon him. Amen? All you five-point Calvinists, go home. No, don't do that. But uh, stay here and we'll straighten you out. But, uh, you know, we're not predestined, foreordained to go to hell and some go to heaven. It's whosoever will. But I'm going to say this, friend. If they do not have the gospel, how can they know how to be saved? And so we have the powerful gospel. And we got a track rack out there that's full of gospel tracks. Matter of fact, our security team had to pull somebody over Sunday morning. This guy came up in the middle of the service, and Brother Robert Oglesby intercepted him. And he said, What do you want? He said, Well, I don't want to come in. I just want some gospel tracks. I'm a street preacher, and so I'm going uptown, and I need some gospel tracks. Brother Robert loaded him up. Amen. I hope he preached the gospel, amen. He's got our tracks, you know. But anyway, God, it will it'll not return void if you have the gospel, you know, amen. And uh, so I'm excited about 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I didn't preach last week. Brother Kevin did, and he did a great job on all the messages. But, um, you know, I emphasize the seeker-sensitive church a couple of, maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And we're a savior-sensitive church. But I want to tell you what we are, too. We're a scriptural-based church. In other words, God's Word is enough. But I don't believe we believe it or that track rack would be stripped every service and we'd be getting out the gospel more. So I want us to start planning more. Uh, you might be restricted in some ways, but the Word of God's not bound. Amen? I believe you ought to plan it. The day uh, somebody came by my house and I planted the gospel on him. And I've already done that once with him. And I said, you remember this? He said, I remember that. I said, would you read this again? He said, I'll read it again. And um, I believe he will. You pray for him. Um, I believe that he'll get saved. I really do. His name's Mr. Wiley, and I hope he'll get saved. But Let's look at First Thessalonians chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to not review the whole chapter. Yeah, I probably will, but I want to uh, start uh, with um, verse 9 because it mentions the gospel, okay? And then we'll review some. And I want to look at verse 4 because it mentions the gospel. Sunday night I preached on grace uh, through 2 Corinthians chapter 8-9, and, and it's mentioned five times, no, seven times. And here's the gospel mentioned in this wonderful chapter. Uh, look at verse 4. I'll have you stand later. But it says, uh, it says this in verse 4 because I'm going to read several verses. It says, But as we were allowed of the God to be put in trust with the, say it with me, gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing man, but God, which trieth our hearts. we got to give account about how we handle the gospel. And we're stewards of that. We're allowed of God to be entrusted. It's a sacred trust, the Word of God. I believe the Word of God is the King James Bible. Say amen. I don't believe there's any doubt about it. It's preserved for the English-speaking people. And if you have a perversion or a twisted scripture, you need to get a real Bible. Because I want to tell you something, there is a lot of the blood taken out, the virgin birth taken out, and there's a lot of things taken out of that scripture, uh, that uh, book, uh, because of copyright laws, because they want to make money. King James Bible is where you ought to stay by. But look at verse 5, for neither at any time use we flattering words. That's what got me off on this secret, sensitive, contemporary movement. As you know, not as a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, whom you might have been burdensome as the apostle of Christ. But we were gentle among, even as, uh, among you, even as a nurse cherith her children. Now, a lot of times we're taught soul winning by pressure. And it's super salesmanship instead of letting the gospel do its work. I'll preach on that in just a minute. And so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted to you not the gospel of God only, here it is, but also our own souls, because we were de- you were dear unto us. But we remember, brethren, our labor and travail. Have you ladies have you ever been through labor and travail? Raise your hand. And you men, you can't even take a kidney stone. Let's go on. Amen. It says this: For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preach unto you. Here it is, the gospel of God. Boy, what an emphasis. And it says, you are witnesses of God also, how holily and justly and unblameable we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father doth his children. Now listen that you would walk worthy of God. Well, you ought to circle that and say, Help me, Jesus, who hath called you unto the kingdom and glory. For this cause also, thank we God, without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, listen now, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as, in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For you, brethren, became followers of the church of God, which is in Judea, or in Christ Jesus, for you also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak, to the Gentiles, that they might be saved, to fill up their sins alway, for the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Be preaching on the dark side of Halloween next Wednesday, and how Satan works. And uh, the Bible says in verse nineteen, let's read the rest of the chapter. For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? And are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye, for ye are our glory and joy. You know, I believe the second greatest blessing after being saved, is leading somebody else to the Lord. And it becomes your joy. And you can give God the glory for it. And they can glorify God. And so our theme for the missions conference was that the world would worship the Lord. Well, the only way they can worship the Lord is they've got to get born again. And the only way they can get born again is they got to hear the gospel. And I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people, like the church of Thessalonica, that never heard the gospel until Paul brought it to them. So I want to preach just a few minutes on delivering the gospel. And I could put effectively. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God, for your word, and thank you, God, for this chapter that we seem to be not stuck in. But Lord, just the Holy Spirit won't let us leave it. And Lord, you burden my heart to be more bold but more compassionate in handing out the gospel. Well, we've seen... Thousands of people saved in these years, and a lot saved in the jails, as Brother Glenn can testify, and others that go to the jail. And Lord, it's wonderful to bring the gospel that's not bound into a hopeless and lost generation. And so, Lord, please help us to have more holy boldness, but more holy compassion. And God, help us to walk the walk and not just talk the talk, that it wet people's appetite when we do hand the gospel out. Or we share the gospel. Or we preach the gospel. Or we teach the gospel. Lord, thank you for this chapter. And so, Lord, teach us something tonight about the glorious way that we can deliver the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now let me first say the gospel is defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it means literally good news. And I, I don't think there's a better news that the gospel can deliver you from hell, that the gospel is a power unto salvation. And It'll save anyone to the uttermost. You know, and it's, it's, it's wonderful that somebody brought you the gospel. And you shouldn't take that for granted. We in the United States hear the gospel every day, probably on radio and uh, internet. And the gospel's everywhere. And a lot of people are not receiving it, but thank God that's the answer. It's not a new president. It's not even the Supreme Court. What we need is the gospel to enter in people's hearts, be brought under Holy Ghost conviction, and be converted into a new person in Christ. Thanks, thank God for the miracle of being born again. And we're not born of corruptible seed. We're born of incorruptible seed, and it's the Word of God. God's not called us to be prosecuting attorneys. God called, has called us to be witnesses. Amen, witnesses. We don't save anybody. Uh, one time there was an old uh, drunk on the roads of Chicago, and uh, D.L. Moody walked down the road, and he, and he started saying, Hey, D.L. Moody, uh, you saved me several years ago. He was he was he was drunk as a skunk, and he was saying that. And he, he looked at him and said, I probably did save you because God sure didn't. And folks, D.L. Moody has never saved anybody. Wayne Cofields. I don't know why I put myself in a sentence with him. But no one's ever saved anybody. Uh, folks, we take the word of God, and the Lord does the saving. To God be the glory. So God's people are uh, should be a working people. Four-letter dirty word to the new generation is W-O-R-K. Amen? It takes work to get the gospel out. And if you don't believe it, go through a pandemic and try to get the gospel out. But, um, you know, we have been called into the greatest work known of men. We have been called to the harvest and to the fields that are already white under harvest. I mean, people are dying and going to hell. People are overdosing and people are on drugs and people are in mental institutes through this pandemic. And it's, it's so sad what people are going through. And all they need is an anchor. And all they need is Jesus. And somebody needs to take the gospel to them. When are we going to get burdened? Does it bother you? That men and ladies and boys and girls that do not get saved will go to hell it ought to bother us we ought to be burdened and we ought to be stirred to do something about it and so first of all we see Paul uh, its entrance of the gospel when he came into that town of Thessalonica he came with the gospel amen and folks these enemies of the gospel brought accusations against Paul and his workers in an attempt to discredit him because it was such a life change in that town. And Paul began to remind and reassure the Thessalonians that his work had been blessed of God, and it wasn't in vain, and he defended the work, not himself, that he brought the gospel to them. And the Bible says his word will not return void. And thank God, folks, Paul, he got so bad he had to leave, and he had to leave... Uh, Uh, when he was persecuted and recorded in Acts chapter 15, 16, and Paul reminds them about his entrance. Number one, it was purposeful. He had a purpose. What's your purpose? You know, a lot of people's purpose is this. I just want to make a name for myself. Some people, their purpose is to get rich, and some people's purpose is just to be happy. Well, you'll never be happy until you're holy. You'll never have the joy of the Lord until you abide in Him. John 15, 11 says, These things are written to you that your joy may be full and that my joy might remain. These things written to you is verse 1 through 10, which means you ought to abide. You're the branch, He's the vine. And so when Paul and Silas and Timothy first went to Thessalonica, there was one soul that had ever heard the gospel. Think about that. Um, what a blessed work to take the gospel to a place where no soul had ever heard the name of Christ. That's what our missionaries are doing. they never heard the name of Christ, and they never heard the simple gospel that you're saved by the death, burial, and resurrection. And uh, folks, it wasn't an empty or vain message. It was a life-changing message. How many of you have had a life-change-changing experience called salvation? Raise your hand. And somebody brought you the gospel. Somebody prayed for you, but I'm going to tell you something. You heard the gospel, and that's the reason you're saved today. Somebody brought you the gospel. On a Sunday afternoon, Brother Tisdale brought the gospel to Brother Bobby. Amen. Several of you had the gospel brought to your house. And aren't you glad for that person that brought you the gospel? You'd probably heard it a thousand times, but you hadn't paid attention, and you wasn't interested and you was dead in your sins and trespasses, and the gospel quickens you. The Holy Ghost accompanied the sword of the Spirit, is the Word of God, and thank God when the Word of God's planted, the Spirit of God pierces uh, those facades called religion. People are religious and lost. So the gospel is not always received, so he had a painful uh, entrance. Paul was beaten and chased out of Philippi. Acts chapter 16, ain't got time to go there. He was brutally beaten, and he was shackled, and he was in prison. And the Bible says in verse 2, if you'll back up there in way of review, it said, we were shamefully entreated. That means he was humiliated and beaten and in prison. Praise God, he even won the prisoner to the Lord. Amen? I miss YDC. I had not been there in five, six, seven months, I guess, March. It's been a long time, and I miss it. I've seen more people saved there than I have here. Uh, because those young people are so receptive and so broken, and they had not hardened their heart like the prisoners down here yet. But they will get that way if they don't get saved. And um, we simply take the gospel to them. Uh, We've been in with some groups. They thought they had to entertain them. One group thought they had to have a rock and roll concert. Well, I waited through that. But when I got up, I wasn't going to tell jokes and stories. I preached the gospel. I want to tell you something. The gospel can work on souls even if they're hard. And so shamefully entreated, shamefully treated, indecently treated. And then I see the persistence of our Apostle Paul. I want you to look at uh, verse 2, the first three words. It says, but even after that we were suffered before and were shamefully entreated, but even after. You know what that's saying? even after we were put in jail, beat to a pulp, and he was beaten more times than our Lord and stoned more times than our Lord. You'll read 1 Corinthians chapter 11 sometime. He said, we came to you. And we came to you, and he's being questioned about his validity and if he's a real preacher, and he's a, and he got the real message, and, and they're accusing him of all kinds of things, uh, just like they're accusing uh, this presidential uh, nomination. They came up with an article this morning that she was in a Bible study. And in that Bible study, some people were abused that left the Bible study. And also in that Bible study, they found out through digging up trash that uh, they would not let homosexuals stay in that group. And so they're trying to hang that on this dear lady. And uh, I don't think it's going to work. Matter of fact, if if you get too close to the trash, you might fall in. Let's go on. I'm meddling. I'm but anyway, even after, even after, uh, we ought to be faithful unto death, the Bible says in Revelation 2.10. And Paul was faithful in a day when Christians were being put to death for their faith. You know, probably, just probably, the only thing you'll get hurt knocking on doors in Dalton is your feelings. That's probably the only thing you'll get hurt. I was once going out witnessing with a fellow, and he said, do you think uh, anybody will pull a gun on it? And I said, I don't think so. And he said, I said, it's a really nice town, Bill. Bill Quarles that went out with me. I led him to the Lord under a ford on Labor Day. I'll never forget. He was in his front yard. And he never would he never would get out from under that ford. And so I got under there with him. And he got saved before we got out, out of it. He said, you've got to be kidding. He really got saved. And he went, he went soul winning with us. And after first or second visit, he said this. He said, you know, preacher, the way I figure it, probably the only thing we'll ever get hurt in Dalton is our feelings, and that'll be worth it, So some people gave their lives to take the gospel. Now there's wisdom out of the mouth of a new convert that was going soul winning with me. And folks, I want to tell you something, Paul was shamefully treated, indecently treated, and he went on anyway, and he had a powerful entrance, a powerful entrance. Uh, he was bold to speak the gospel. Amen. Look at verse 2 again. I might not get through this again, but it says he says, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Now I don't know about you, but I need help in that area because I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes I chicken out. How about you? Sometimes I don't. I'm not as bold as I ought to be. I don't think you ought to be brass. You're an unannounced guest when you knock on the door. You ought to be a gentleman or a lady. But I want to tell you something, friend. They need the gospel a whole lot more than they need what they're watching or doing. Say amen. And it's a matter of life or death that we get the gospel to them. We need to be consumed with that fact that the gospel is the only hope for men and ladies and boys and girls that are on the road to hell. And we need to be bold. But at the same time, Compassionate. And that's a blend that some people have to work on. But we need holy boldness produced by the Holy Ghost. There's two verses I claim before I go soul winning. They're both in Acts chapter 4. I want you to turn there. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. If you're not living right for God, you don't have the breastplate of righteousness on. And I won't say the devil is accused of brethren. And he'll defeat you in the warfare. Thank you for that song, brother Jeremy. He'll defeat you in the warfare, and he'll accuse you because he knows your life. The demons of hell know what, how you've been living. And so, if you hadn't read your Bible and prayed and lived for God, and you try to go soul winning, your shield is 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 off. You, your your uh, robe is just you're not girded up with the truth, and it's a warfare. The Bible says in Acts chapter four, verse thirteen. And that's before Philippians 4.13 that we can do all things through Christ and strengthen us. But I want you to look at Acts chapter 4 and I want you to look at verse 13 that I try to claim every time that I go and share the gospel or preach the gospel because it's essential that we spend time with the Lord, that we're with Him before we're with them, that we're with Him before we're witnesses. Acts chapter 4 verse 13 says this, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived they were ignorant and un- uh, unlearned, uh, unlearned and ignorant men. That means in the law of God. They marveled. Why did they marvel? And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. I'm to tell you something, friend. People know, and you know, when you spend time with Jesus, and when you come out of the prayer closet, and when you come out with a good day of living for God, and you go soul winning. God can use you. He's not so hard pressed to use dirty vessels, but he'll do. He'll use the gospel. I've seen some heretics preach the gospel and people get saved. I've seen some preachers living in adultery, and he, they preach the gospel for months and people got saved. I often wonder why in the world did that happen. How could he? How could he? Because God honors the gospel. The gospel is powerful, but he he honors it even more when the vessel is like the apostle Paul, faithful, yielded. Full of the Spirit of God. But then another verse in Acts chapter 4 is Acts chapter 4, verse 30. I want you to look at it. Acts chapter 4, verse 30. You ought to claim this um, because I believe with all my heart uh, that people need this. It says in Acts chapter 4, let let me find it, verse 30. I believe that's the verse. Yes, it says, and when they had prayed, verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake in tongues it didn't say that and they had visions it didn't say that it says and they spake the word of God with what? boldness Boldness, folks the evidence of being filled with the spirit of God is to overflow with compassion and boldness I want to tell you why we're always afraid that we're going to fail we're always afraid we'll interrupt somebody and make somebody mad. That's all self-centered. What we need to be is afraid they're going to hell. And God can use your stumbling, and God can use your uh, presentation that's not as smooth as the super slick salesman. And God can use the gospel if you have a broken heart, and if you have a heart with a motive to see people saved. Amen? Uh, it's not just agreement. It's conversion. It's conviction. Amen? And folks we need to be that way I could go to uh, Acts chapter 9 verse 27 uh, and verse 29 you might want to write that down Uh, Acts chapter 13 verse 46 it all talks about the gospel uh, the bold presentation of the gospel Uh, but I will go to Ephesians chapter 6 that's the warfare chapter Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 turn with me there please Ephesians chapter 6 what I love about verse-by-verse verse study as we can take our time amen i mean i don't have to be finished to, to, i mean we'll just take up next wednesday amen if i'm not here one of y'all preach it, amen but look at this one of you men but look at this ephesians chapter 6 uh, 19 and 20. look at it uh the bible says we ought to pray with all prayer and supplication in the spirit watching there with all perseverance and perseverance and supplication verse 18 i know where i'm at and put on the whole armor of god and that's praying in the spirit but look what why 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 should we put on the whole armor of god look at verse 19 and for me here's paul's prayer request that utterance may be given to me that i may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel which i am an ambassador in bonds that thereto i may speak boldly as all to speak folks i want to tell you something we have to die to self. Be filled with the Spirit of God and take the Word of God and let the Word of God be a powerful source of conviction. And before a person gets saved, he must realize he's lost. Amen? Folks, I want to tell you something. A lot of people don't believe they're lost. They're Catholics. They don't think they're lost. They're Baptists. They're Methodists. They're Episcopalians. Randy... Was in a meeting uh, against liquor sales in Whitfield County. He got up and and he said, "I don't care if all you counselors are a bunch of, Whiscapalians." He meant Episcopalians. He called them Whiscapalians. We've had it now, and uh, he just kind of rebuked them. And um, we we won that year. And they kept on uh, putting lawyers on us, and kept on every year we had to spend thousands of dollars to fight it. And now. There's liquor everywhere. But um, we need to have holy boldness. Uh, Paul never lowered the standard to build a big church. Uh, He never took repentance out of preaching in order to have a big response. He never tolerated error just to get along and keep peace with the brethren and all the churches stay with him. He preached. And he preached against sin, and he preached against the devil, and he preached against self. And I want to tell you something, a lot of people hated it for it and tried to kill it. Then we see the exodus of the gospel. Uh, The powerful gospel will do a sufficient work. We've got to believe that. Uh, You ought to carry the gospel wherever you go. You ought to have a soul winner's New Testament in your pocket. Amen? You ought to have it in your car. I got got mine in the credenza of the car. I was going to reach for it and give a little illustration. It's not there, but it, it should be but it's out there in a car, and I never leave home without it. I want to tell you something. If we believed in the New Testament, soul uh, soul winner's testament, as much as we did the cell phone, we'd be great Christians. Amen. You never leave home without it. Say amen. And if you leave home without it, you go back and get it. Say amen. But night, live, I might have a text, or somebody might like me on Facebook. I can't miss that. Hallelujah. Let me go back home, and uh, you'll search for it. Uh, the other night, we lost a uh, phone, and um, it was dead, and we couldn't pick it up. We had to search the phone, and we were searching all over the place for it. In the middle of the night, I was out in the weather looking for my phone, and it fell under the seat, and uh, and I was so glad to get that phone. I could go to sleep knowing that I found my phone. And if you bought a phone lately, you know why I was so concerned about it. Amen. But, folks, listen, we need to treat the New Testament like that. You ought to never leave home without it. You ought to know it. You ought to expect God to use it, and you ought to take the gospel tracks to a lost and dying world. Uh, we need uh, listen. We do not need to strengthen the gospel. We definitely don't need to soften the gospel. It needs no supplement. We don't need to sell the gospel, and we don't need to sugarcoat the gospel. When Paul preached, it was for purpose of making Christ known. Let me say that again. When Paul preached. It was for the purpose of making Christ known. What is your purpose when you go to work, when you go soul winning, when we go knock on doors, when we go visit new uh, visitors? We ought to let Christ be known and we ought to find out where that person is, whether they're on the road to heaven or on the road to hell. And I want to tell you this, everyone's on either one of the two. You're either lost or you're saved. You're either a saint or you ain't. You either in or you're out. And some people say, "Well, I'm working on it." Well, I hope so. If I, I, I ask many people this time, if you die today, you know you're going. Well, I hope so. Are you ready for the rapture? Well, I hope so. Listen, you need to n- not just hope so; you need to know so. Amen. Turn to Romans chapter one, verse sixteen. I'll try to wrap up this introduction. Um, I love this verse. It says, "I'm not ashamed of the gospel." I'll wait on you. You ought to circle this, highlight it, and memorize it. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Are you? Are you ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Listen to this. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. I want to tell you why the gospel is so wonderful. Number one, the origin of the gospel. It's the gospel of Christ. It's not the gospel of Billy Graham. It's not the gospel of some preacher. It's not the gospel of some denomination. Folks, it's the gospel of Christ. And folks, when we take the message from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, in the Bible days, they had The herroers. I can't ever pronounce that word right, but they had herroers. They were people that would go, and they didn't have papers, they didn't have internet. Can you, can you imagine that, young people? They didn't have the internet. Um, we had a missionary that was shot at, and uh, not, uh, the Catholic Church beat him to a pulp, and, and uh, all the teenagers just looked at him like, well, that's that's no great sacrifice. Then he said, and I haven't for 10 years had um, uh, internet access unless I go 100 miles and go to the top of a mountain in Mexico, and they all went, oh, man, what a sacrificial missionary this is. He don't even have a cell phone. And folks, I want to tell you this. The gospel makes a difference because it's the origin of the gospel is Christ. It's not the Catholic Church. They don't even have the gospel. It's not the Baptist Church. It's not a man-made plan to get you to heaven. It's the gospel of Christ. And so when a man would go on the streets and say, hear ye, hear ye, a message from the emperor... It was almost the death sentence if you didn't stop in your track and listen to the good news from the king. I mean, it was the death sentence almost. I mean, they'd put you in jail if you talked while that hero on the corner was saying, this is the king's decree. Well, I want to say something, friend. We have a message from the king, and he's given us this message of salvation, of life, and life more abundant. And we ought to go to the street corners and preach on the streets. When I took my first missionary trip, first time I flew in a plane. We went to Jamaica. We was in this youth team, and the preacher that was organizing would, caused, uh, made us go for five Saturdays in a row and train. And, you know, he trained us how to take the Jamaican culture and all kinds of things. And then on the third one, he says, okay, load up in the van, And let's go down to Austell, Georgia. It's a little town outside Six Flags area. And he said, all of you that are called to preach, and I was called to preach at that time, about 18. He said, "I I want all of you to take turns, and we're going to preach on the street. I said, we're going to do what? I mean, I was just a dead Southern Baptist. I never heard anything so unorthodox in my life. We're going to preach on the street and you're first I said okay good praise God I knew I signed up for this mission trip the only thing good about that was uh, when I started preaching on the streets and nobody listened and people started blowing the horns. it prepared me for the mission field when I got to the mission field we preached on the streets but guess what in Jamaica they were receptive because they hadn't heard the gospel 16 times and they were receptive and they heard the gospel and many got saved during my first mission trip, and it just it just melted my heart for the souls that's never heard the gospel. Not one time, not one time. I believe everybody in this world deserves to hear the gospel one time at least, and we need to have a burden. That's why we had the missions revival, and so it's the it's the origin of the of the gospel. Then it says to everyone that believe, there's the outreach of the gospel. The outreach of the gospel. Or excuse me, the outreach of the gospel is to everyone that believeth. Then to the Jew and also to the Greek. And there's the outreach of the gospel. Lord can save anyone that will respond with repentance and faith to the death, burial, and resurrection. Don't just respond to some tear-jerking illustration at the end of my message. I don't think I have one, but I might I might find one. But that's not going to save you. What's going to save you is the preacher gets up and preaches the death, the burial, and the resurrection. I'll tell you what effective soul winning is. You present the death, burial, and resurrection. You can go through the Romans road. I often have a step-up question that I use, and I wrote a track about that, more important than church. I I break the ice, but just don't go in there and beat them over the head and say they're going to hell and uh, try to be a prosecuting attorney. But we go and knock on the door and we say, well, where do you go to church? And I say, well, I go to the First Snake Handling Church in L.A.J., Georgia. We never criticize the church. I'd like to criticize that one. But I say, oh, that's, that's interesting. But I want to tell you something. And this is the step-up question I have because I'm chicken. I I'm sometimes just want to talk about church. I want to talk about visiting our church. I said, listen, more important than church and what church is all about or should be about, you know if you died today, you'd church. And I want to tell you something, friend. They say, well, I don't know. I said, wouldn't you like to know? And Then I'm pulling out my sword at that time, the New Testament, and saying, I'll show you four verses how you can know. The gospel is there. Folks, business picks up. It's not our introductions. It's not our breaking the ice. It's not our church invitations that's going to change people's lives. It's when we share the gospel. And if you have to have a step up, and you have to break the ice. You have to talk about everything, compliment the wallpaper. That's fine. But somewhere before you leave, you ought to have a time where you want to present the gospel and you have it on you. If you forget your Bible, take out a track. I've led many people, Lord, taking out a track and reading the verses in that gospel track. It'll track them down. Amen. What a blessing. So I know I haven't uh, finished my message, so I'll try to sum up what I'm trying to say here is that the message was holy. Uh, The message was powerful. It was the excellency of the gospel. And folks, look at verse 3. Just to to summarize this chapter, it says, For our exhortation was not with deceit, nor of uncleanliness, nor nor in guile. I want you to notice those three words, deceit. Paul's calling was to preach the word and not make it acceptable. You know, we have a contemporary movement now that brings the gospel down on people's level. The congregation becomes sovereign. What do they want to hear? How do you want to feel? And they cater to it, and it's almost entertainment. Folks, I want to tell you something, folks. I've heard churches advertise, we don't use the H word in our church. They're talking about hell. Well, we use it because people are going to hell. And folks, Jesus preached on it 13 times, and the Bible mentions it 83 times. So what are we going to do? Cut it out? No, we need to preach the whole gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And they need to realize their loss. And so, folks, one of the biggest errors in soul winning and evangelism is to make man-made attempts to make the gospel acceptable to men. Um, There's been a lot of soul winning clubs, you know. And they get up and testify, I won 78 people Lord this week. Well, I doubt that very seriously. That somebody won 78 people. And, you know, we're going for 100 next week. And, folks, you can get a lot of agreement, but I want to tell you something, friend. What you need to do is preach the death, burial, and resurrection or teach the death, burial, and resurrection. And the first verse I always share is, all is sin and come short of the glory of God. You're a sinner. Now, people don't like to hear that. They'd rather be entertained and they'd like to say, uh, hear, hear a social gospel uh, that everything's going to be better. But folks, not, there's nothing going to be better. somebody is saved matter of fact the worst thing that could ever happen to you is die and burn forever in eternal hell that needs to be preached more and the second covenant and so folks it's not a deceit it's not unclean that means it wasn't impure it was pure unadulterated word it's opposite of uncleanliness it has a cleansing effect the word of God is like water it'll wash away It 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 convicts us we're clean through the Word, the Bible says. And it's not of gal. It's not of gal. Now, gal, the word means craftiness, trickery, uh, dishonesty. I've seen people teach soul winning like this. Don't ever give them a chance to respond. Don't ever give them a chance to answer questions. Just let them touch your hand. When they touch your hand, lead them in the prayer and lead them in it quick and be a, a aggressive conversationalist. In other words, be a super salesman And get them to agree but folks i want to tell you something without conviction there is no conversion and i believe that we ought not be hesitant about winning souls and we ought to have a plan when we win souls it's all right to have a plan because if i don't have a plan i'm going to get really confused if i don't have my verses marked in my bible a map to show me where to go to the next verse i'll get nervous and i'll forget to go to that next verse but i want to tell you something friend i'm not going to say just touch my hand and you'll get saved that's trickery that's false uh, it's craftiness it's dishonest the motive was honorable uh, the Bible says it was not of guile and then the essence of the gospel is this in verse 7 they were gentle it says and we were gentle among you even as a nurse cherishes her children you know what that means when you go to a house you ought to be a gentleman when you go to a house you ought to be a lady and folks you're an unannounced guest and if they don't have time to hear you don't kick the door in and stay 45 minutes. Uh, you need to keep the hinges old for the next visit. So you ought to be friendly. You ought to be loving. You ought to be kind. And if you can share the gospel, fine, but if they don't have time to listen to it, make an appointment and come back. People appreciate that. Amen? I do. Amen. How many of you uh, close the blinds when you hear a door slamming in your driveway? Turn out the lights. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing how people don't want to be interrupted. Today, we almost have to make appointments to go win souls. I um, had a great visit last night. It was supper time. That was a blessing. But anyway, uh, there's, it's gentle, gentle. Don't mean you're a wimp. You ought to have boldness. You ought to be a man of God and a lady of God. But folks, you ought to realize that you're not the prosecuting attorney. You're the witness. Then it ought to be genuine. It ought to be genuine. Look at verse 8. It says, so being effectively desirous of you, we were willing to, to have imparted to you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because we, because you were dear unto us, they gave their soul. Folks, he was a good pastor. He was a good brother. He was generous. He was gentle. Uh, he was genuine, and he was generous. Look at verse eight. He said this, but also our own souls. Paul died to be a soul winner paul lived to be a soul winner paul sacrificed he was beat five times he was scourged more than our lord he was in prison he was in nakedness he was in peril his own countrymen forsook him why god might get the glory he was a man of god a real man of god and then we see number verse nine the gift for you remembered, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Folks, I want to tell you something. The best day of my life, the very best day of my life, was the night that my preacher got up. And I'd been elbowed for years by my cousin. He got saved earlier than I was. I was 11. He got saved when he was 9. My cousin had a burden for my soul. And every invitation, he'd start elbowing me. I got so mad about that. You know, I wasn't in church for the right reason. he just,
1: he start elbowing me,
0: elbowing me. And then on that night, James P. McDonald got up, and he preached a tremendous, powerful message in hell. And I want to say this. At the end of the service, there was somebody else elbowing me from inside. It was the Holy Spirit of God he used the preaching of the Word of God to convict me that if I didn't get saved, and I thought it might, if I didn't get saved that night, I'd go to hell. And I'll tell you what, you say, oh, you use Jesus as a fire escape. It's a pretty good fire escape. But folks, I want to tell you something. If there was no hell to miss and no heaven to gain, I'd get saved for the abundant life that God has given me. A patient wife, boy, she's patient. A good wife, I tell you what, I wouldn't be in the same church if it wasn't for a good wife, because I mean she has been very patient. And When I wanted to throw in the towel, she said, "I don't think it's, I don't think it's time to quit. I think it's too early to quit." She said that many times. Now, when I wanted to write out my resignation and put my suitcase on the pulpit and just preach one of those great exit messages, she'd say, well, "Honey, I don't think it's time yet." And that yet, so I hadn't come yet. I hope it never comes. But I want to tell you something, friend we need to realize it's a warfare and the devil will try to do everything he can to keep you from preaching the pure gospel, teaching the pure gospel, sharing the pure gospel, taking a gospel tract and planting somebody's hand. I had a couple of people come by my house today and uh, they they were there for one reason, that was to do some carpet work. And I said, you remember when you did some carpet work at the church, I gave you a tray. He said, I still got it. I said, well, just in case, let me give you another he had his girlfriend with him I don't know what his girlfriend was doing helping him lay carpet but praise God some people are blessed I don't know but anyway here, here it was and boy well, they took that gospel and I said remember the most important thing is not coming to church but we'd love to have you come he said, knowing that if you died today you'd go to heaven a lot of people dying with this uh, pandemic this virus they would be ready but he hung his head and he listened and folks you know something God never sets up just an appointment. Every person you meet is a divine appointment. It's a divine encounter. We ought to look at that. God has called you to take the gospel to a lost and dying world. It's gentle. It's genuine. It's generous. It's a gift. We ought to look at it as a gift. And folks, we ought to labor. Look at We ought to labor and travail in prayer. And then let me just show you real quick and close in closing. My time's up, the example of the gospel. Look at verse 10. So if we are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameable we behaved ourselves among you that believe. Folks, I want to tell you something. Holy means without a breach. It means they lived a life that was pleasing to God. They backed up their message with a changed life. Don't go around witnessing and cussing the next breath. And I've seen people do that on the job. Don't go, don't hey, don't go bad mouthing the whole church on Monday, and then Tuesday, all of a sudden you say, "Well, I, I need to witness these people. I think I'll give them the gospel." They won't read it, and I want to tell you something. The reason is because we need to have a holy testimony, and then uh, justly—that means real and genuine and true—and then unblameable. None could sustain a charge against Paul. They tried but they couldn't. And then, of course, after that is not only the uh, conviction, but there's consolation in verse 11. I'm trying to get to one verse and we'll close. It says, And you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. So after you get them saved, uh, you don't bully and browbeat them to get in church or to get saved. And then after they get saved, you disciple them. That's where we're missing the boat. Talking last night about there is no Highland Park Baptist Church. Brother, you you just graduated from there twenty years ago. And if you'd said twenty years from now there'd only be a church of the rock or whatever. Um, church of the Highlands or something. Where they have a rock climbing wall in the in the vestibule and rock and roll music, you would have passed out. So that is no way. And folks, a church continues through discipleship, through training young men, and then staying with the Scripture, uh, they brought in men that didn't believe the Bible, like Al Janning from from California and others that had perversions of the Bible. And that church went down, and now they've sold it to a charismatic group. And that beautiful campus is empty. Bobby, you was there in the good old days under Doctor Lee Robinson. How could that happen? We're one generation away from compromise, apostasy, from contemporary materialism, entertainment. And folks, the challenge today is in verse twelve. It says that we would walk worthy of God, who has called you into his kingdom and glory. For this cause also we thank God without ceasing. Because when we need when we when ye receive the word of God, this that, which ye heard of us, thank God they heard from them. You received it not as the word of men, but as in the truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. One of the most powerful verses in 1 Thessalonians, folks, is that the evidence, the evidence. Lastly, brother, the evidence of the gospel is that they welcomed the Scriptures. They received it. It carries the idea of being ready and warmly welcoming the Word of God. I thank God for you. We don't have many here tonight. A lot of people out of town, most people back there teaching the gospel. And then brother Jason takes all the youth out. I said, I'm not going to have anybody left. Praise God. That's all right. But I want to tell you something. Just few of us would get consumed with getting the gospel out we can make a difference. And folks, there are people that are receptive. They received it. Uh, they ex- exceptional welcome to the scripture. Then, there was, then it's engrafted word. Uh, James chapter 1 21 says that they received the engrafted word. That's a horticultural term that means implanted. Um, it speaks of grafting a branch into another branch that's broken. The word of God engrafts in our souls. And only as the Word of God is received with a welcome heart can it change a life. So listen, you can't make anybody get saved because you're not the convictor. And folks, you can't make anybody listen, but if they will listen, and if they will receive the Word of God, and maybe they won't until they go home and open that track up um, in the middle of the night three times because they couldn't sleep. The guy called me and apologized after he got baptized over at Bible Way Baptist Church. I said that night, when you threw that track after I slammed the door on your foot, I could not sleep. And I heard the gospel. I read that pamphlet three times and got saved that morning. And my preacher told me after I got baptized, if I ever offended anybody, I need to apologize. And he said, I want to apologize to you. Because because you gave me the gospel track, I know I'm going to heaven. And I was baptized Tonight, he was saying in tears on the phone at Bible Way Baptist Church. My first thought was, well, why didn't he come to Whitfield Baptist? No, I didn't say that. I said, I said, praise the Lord, buddy. He said, but will you forgive me? I said, sure, I'll forgive you. You can slam the door and cuss me out anytime you want to to get saved. Thank God for it. And so, folks, listen. Our primary job, our primary ministry is the Word of God. The primacy of preaching is the Word of God. Churches and Christians are dying because of the lack of the Word of God. Peter exhorted pastors to feed the flock of God. What are they going to feed Him with? The Word of God. How do we get people saved? We give them the seed, the incorruptible seed, the Word of God. We plant the gospel. We share the gospel. We give them the gospel. I'm excited about this little festival. I've got the Gospel in Romans, uh, the whole little book beautifully designed and printed, and somebody just sent us thousands of them because I just mentioned it at a preacher's meeting. I'd like to have some more Gospels of John and Romans. and we got thousands back there. They just kept on coming in. I just mentioned it off the cuff. We could use some gospels and we got a whole room full of them. I don't even know how, if we need to pay for them or not, but it's a blessing. It's a blessing to have that gospel. So they can leave here with a smile on their face. They can leave here with joy in their soul because they won a game. Or they can leave here with the gospel and go home and share it with mom and daddy. Or go home and read it themselves and get born again and not go to hell, but go to heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this emphasis on the gospel tonight. Lord, you sealed it in my soul last night as I was talking. This is exactly what I need to preach. And God help us, and God forbid that we'd ever get away from the gospel. If we'd ever get away from the, the most important part of every service, the preaching of the gospel. God, that we'd ever, never get away from the blessing of taking the gospel door-to-door and to prospects and the new residents. And taking the only message that will change men and ladies and boys and girls' lives. Lord, this election might change a lot in America, but I know your gospel will change everything in a person's life if we can only get it to them. So, Lord, please help us. Give us holy boldness with compassion. Give us wisdom to win souls. Give us a desire in our heart to die to self and not care what people think about us, and risk a little of our comfort zone and hand out the gospel. And know that it's a word that will never return void. And it will work day and night, and it will work after we leave, and after they soon forget us, that the gospel will continue to work. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I know this has been rather long, but this chapter has been a blessing to my heart has been a conviction to my soul. We need to make much of Jesus. And the way to make much of Jesus is make much of the gospel. How many tracts have you handed out this week? How many times have you mentioned the name Jesus to someone? Folks, this world is dying and they're going crazy and they're depressed and they're fearful and they don't have hope Folks, the gospel light, the glorious gospel light, can change their life because they can get saved. I mean, say, so preacher, tonight, God has spoken to my heart about being more faithful. Stewards of the gospel. And I want to do something about it in the coming days. I want to take some gospel tracts. I want to pray for a divine appointment where somebody will just be open to the gospel. And I want to share the gospel with somebody. you slip your hand up? Eye for prayer, I gotta, I gotta raise mine. Maybe some of you here would say, "Preach!" I've never received the gospel. And folks, you might be you think you might be thinking you're saved because you joined a church or you turned over a new leaf. That's not enough. Or why was Calvary necessary? Why was the blood shed necessary? Because He's the way, He's the truth, and there's no other way and no other truth and no other life but by Jesus. John 14 6. But you say, Preach, I'm not saved. And I need somebody to take the gospel and show me how to be saved. Would you please pray for me? Anyone? You're not sure you're saved. You can sit in a good church like this and go to hell. You need to know for sure. Father, use this message and thank you, dear God, for speaking to my heart about the importance and the power, the origin, the outcome, and the outreach of the gospel. And Lord, I'm excited. That I can leave here, not with my, just my cell phone. God, I can leave here with the gospel. In track, in my New Testament, in this Bible, I can take the gospel to a lost and dying world. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.